Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about a, we're going to give you a crop update on where things are at. In our spotlight, we're going to look at Bears' new chemistries they're coming out with. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about the Federal Agriculture Improvement and Reform Act of 1996. Cool Beans, that's corny, we'll have some current events. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, A.A. Rod and Randall Cobb have returned to the Packers, one as a condition of the other's restructured contract. I, uh, I'm i not saying Randall Cobb's going to come back and put on a Pro Bowl season, but I'm really happy to see him in uh, green and gold again. I think he's pretty happy to be back, too. <laughs> he cried at the podium yesterday. Did he really? He got, Pretty much. He got misty-eyed, and then he said he cried when he got on the plane to come oh, to okay. That's cool. Well, what? I think the, what was it, the quote I saw, of Green Bay's a Fortune 500 company. The Texans are like a startup. Yeah. How he, referred he just to hammered it. the Texans. Yeah. Oh, and then, really? of course, he said <laughs> no offense to the Texans after I he hammered them. I think startup's a bad uh, thing because like, startups still have a future. There's like no positive outlook at the I think how he was when like JJ Watt left and just he was right in the heart of the crap though with everything going on with Watson now yeah and Cobb they didn't play traded. for the Texans last year he played for Cowboys right yeah Texans was, last year he was, was Texans, he was Texans. Yeah. wow he must have did not much at all <laughs> well, you know what's because I don't even had, remember seeing him 500 yards three touchdowns oh and that's like 42 catches or something he had like eight catches against the Packers that game yeah okay yeah I don't know that I mean, I think they got some good news this week on the Deshaun Watson thing, but I don't, he doesn't want to play for them now, though. So, because NFL commissioner, their investigation didn't yield anything. Really, it sounds like they didn't do it. Their thing is over, and then mm. nothing happened. So, they must not have found any validity. But that's a whole other topic. But yeah, it's cool to see them both back. It was cool to see uh, Devontae yesterday. Going out to practice, how giddy he was, like yeah. skipping and like hanging on Randall Cobb and and think, the, how, how old do you guys think Cobb is? Thirty. Yeah. Thirty. Okay, so he but he's not that old no. either. It's no. like we're bringing back some guy that's thirty five. Jordy Nelson by now has got to be yeah, I don't like mid thirties. But do you think all this off season was just to bring back Cobb? Like Rogers is just like. I won't say much. I'll kind of tweet a little bit. He, Randall, I'll get he you back. He did kind of say that in his um, first press conference back. He's like, a lot of the stuff that was out there, like, I didn't say any of it. I just didn't care to. Well, it's such an easy play for Rodgers to just right. like, oh, yeah. Back and yeah. It all kind of like, I never out. stopped it, but I didn't say it. Right. So He assured us at the press conference that the leak at the uh, the draft was not him or his camp. Okay. Which, again, it's easy to say it now. Yeah. Like, oh, it. I didn't do that, guys. Well, and that's an easy thing to pick up on. It's like, oh yeah, they didn't, they didn't say anything to him, and then they just kind of. It's that's the world of social media now that you never really know. It's where because it some from. of it came directly from them, and some doesn't. And like you said, Rogers could have stopped it and said, "No, the Packers is a good organization. Right. We're fine. Don't worry about it." And he didn't say that either. Well, it's an interesting contrast of like Rogers kind of. Laying all all his grievances as Cobb's like, oh thank God I'm back. <laughs> right. like, this is yeah. so much better than where. Yeah, I was. for Rogers, do you think Cobb's like, dude, the grass is greener, man. Don't right. don't go like, 
they they know what they're doing here. So that's the funny part is you got Rogers who's like like you said, just almost like this sucks being here and then Cobb probably has spent the last the day he found out and the next day like crying the whole time that he's so happy coming back. But I think Rogers he's he's seeing what other quarterbacks are getting. Like Brady is probably getting say. I, well, look at Brady bringing back his big old right. tight end Gronk. Right. You know, that's what Rogers wants. It, Cobb is his boy. Cobb is yeah. Gronk. Like yep. he's he wants to bring back that guy that but the cap hits are way different. Is yeah, is Rogers taking as team friendly a deal? Hell no. Yeah. Right. No, he's, no. He's not I mean, he's not the most expensive quarterback right now. He's not. But they're not. He's, it's like seventeen percent of the cap. And it's he's huge. saying he says like it's not about the money. Well, it is a little bit. And take a pay cut to get those guys. Like that's all I do know is Devontae is definitely not gonna take a pay cut. He's already no. said that. Yeah. He this week he said I earned to be the highest paid player or the highest paid wide receiver. I will be paid as the highest paid wide receiver and there will be no discount. So that was good. So he'll be gone. Yeah. I just don't see that. I mean, I don't know how you let the guy like that well, walk, but everybody talks about that. Either. Like there's, there's a salary cap. There's only so much money for all of these guys. So for them, any of them to say, but the restructuring Roger should free up enough money. It'll, to it'll push it all. Yeah. And it pretty much the way it seems now is this is it for Rodgers. Like, legitimately, this is it. If we win a Super Bowl? Even if we don't. Like, the way no, but they, Max they, is saying, what if we do? <laughs> you know, how he do you... Re- he restructured does, his contract yesterday. He signed it. And that, from what I was reading last night, this is... Like, this is so it. He yeah. can have, so he can play next year for us. He can. We do have a year, but that's, he can opt that's out. The, that's the end of his contract, yeah. But he can opt Instead out. of 2023. He can opt out. They put in all these other things. The Packers cannot go after prorated signing bonuses and things like that. Um, I don't know. I feel like if we win a Super Bowl, maybe, just maybe. Or if we win a Super Bowl and then we go into the into the offseason and the draft and he has some say, I think maybe he wants to stay. Yeah. But if he's giving him the chance, like, you guys get to do this one more time. and then He might stay through the contract. But, yeah, if they don't win the Super Bowl, if he has it in his contract that even if he decides to retire next year, they still have to pay him out. Yeah. Which, whatever. I mean, 16 years, we won a Super Bowl. We went through this with Favre. Like, it's not the same, but we went through all the drama and the BS. Yeah, yeah people seem to have short memories and forget yeah. all the crap that went on in the early 2000s. I mean, it was 20 years ago almost. That, but That's what I thought, too. People are like, this Packers organization has never had to go through anything like this. I'm like... And Favre actually like retired and then unretired and then retired and then unretired. And, and Rogers, like it was just Rogers hasn't even gone after us yet. Favre legitimately made a a, a promise to kill us. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He wanted to go to and the Vikings did. so he could play us twice a year. And he did, and he killed us. So I don't know. I think uh, I think some people need to calm down a little bit because he's here. I mean, he's playing. Right. He yep. looks good in training camp. By all reports, so and he came off an MVP season. That's, so, if he's willing to play and he's happy to play now, which that remains to be seen, I guess. Chances are he's going to be putting in some effort. Not he. He may also be in a very uh, bad mood, which he plays better when he's angry. So yeah. I like that. If I was a Bears fan, I'd be 
demoralized right now. It'd be tough. And the best part is, part of the reason we were able to get Randall Cobb is because the Bears traded a wide receiver to the Texans, to the Texans. so they could give one away. Wait, sure. So thank you, uh, Chicago Bears, for getting Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay. Appreciate it. Now, if you could bring back Jay Cutler, that would be amazing. Is that like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? There, yeah, Max, like everything Kevin goes Bacon. back to the Bears. Well, they traded they traded um that Anthony Miller, and six hours later, Cobb was on his way to the Packers. Like it was pretty bang bang, and it was like mm, maybe Man. shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to get into this? Oh, we got one more thing, man. Oh, that's right. It's your birthday today, Maxwell. Happy birthday, Max. Thanks, Happy birthday, Max. Thanks, guys. It's a big yeah. day for you. Yep. Quarter century. Matt knows how old I am better than I do. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think about it because I thought you guys were going to ask me again. Although <laughs> Usually it's not till like your 30s that you just sort of like miss a year, forget. I I, I take uh, I take my fiance to the doctor with me and she answers most of the questions. Yeah, I don't even the... try anymore. <laughs> anywhere just, that... just point. Like, uh, she knows my body better <laughs> than I do. Does, do you have stomach? Does your stomach have uh, problems? Uh, I'm going to have to defer to her to yeah. answer that for me. <laughs> she is a, me- a medical professional, so those terminologies and all that probably come a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. I, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, I do not know how old I am. I guess I'm going to be 25 this year. I had to do the, yesterday when I got asked, I had to really do the math on how old I was going to be. <laughs> like, I worked hard at it. So. I worked hard. That was a morbid happy birthday song. That, yeah. A little death metal happy birthday. It's pretty sweet. Matt found us a... Uh, the video the, is the better. Video is even like, crazier. Yeah, if you search YouTube, just, happy birthday, probably any name. Yeah. And get it, that. Uh, it's the uh, epic birthday song, I think they call it. Try it. You like it? The video is pretty cool. All right, well, let's talk some corn. Max, you wrote the episode today, so happy birthday! You get to start us off. Yeah. So uh, you had a we had a company get together yesterday, and I was able to catch up with a lot of people that I haven't seen since before planting season. And I got thinking about um, some of the questions I've had this week from guys, and I thought we'd do it would be a nice time for a little crop update. You know, we're kind of getting to the end of our decision making processes for the year. Of, what we can do to make the crop better, we're kind of where we're going to be, and and that's that's how it's going to go. So, um, a little little outlook to the to the harvest now. Uh, I got asked a lot this week. Um, so three hundred bushel corn then, right? Right. <laughs> um, no, maybe I don't. That's a really high number to to uh, put your initials next to. Um, I what I will say is, um. You know, starting off, I think the corn was in really early. I think we had really high expectations from that, and I think those need to be tempered a little bit because it didn't really. I would say some of the earliest well, corn is some of the toughest looking stuff. Yeah, we had some really highs and lows weather wise. The frost at toward the end of May, you know, a lot of a lot of stresses that we didn't necessarily need that early on. We have had relatively good weather as far as uh, you know. Uh, applications for uh, herbicides and fertilizers. So I like that. Our timing should have been, barring some mishaps with applicators, our timing should have been really good. It's not like we've been rained out for huge periods where you, you have to sit on your hands and wait. So I like that. Um, weed control, I think, was okay, not great. Yeah, it was a little iffy this year. We struggled with efficacy uh, in, on corn herbicides, I feel like. Well, you had 
right away when we were planting. It was so dry. It didn't get activated very good. And then and then the weather with and then, the, high, the colds that... And the things weren't dying, even if it did activate. We had a very, yeah, we had a very average year, but it, there were extremes to make it average. So that's hard. I mean, anytime you're doing that to a plant, it's going to show some stress. It, the numbers look good, but it's been feast or famine. We're either dry or yeah. we get five inches of rain in yep. 24 hours. So uh, that definitely was a struggle this year with herbicide management. So I think that probably is going to take a little bit of yield from us in a couple places. Um, in the last week, we've had we had a huge storm uh, two nights ago, um, and Monday night we had a pretty good actually dose of storms rolling. Kind of came out that one kind of for me came out of nowhere. Really, they right. weren't really predicting that and, one. And you know, I actually had more damage at my house on Monday than I did yeah. from the yeah. Wednesday night that was supposed to be this big beast you know, that they when played they up all week. Predicted Duracos now that was unreal. Like we haven't had that that I remember. You've like, never heard of a Duraco and that, now we're predicting them. Correct. And so it was like, whoa, this is gonna be really bad and, and places got hammered, so unfortunately, but we will talk about that later in this episode of what the you know, how bad and where it got hit. Yeah. Um but so that's definitely I think this week we kinda took a pretty big step backwards in areas. Now, a lot of places, like we said, kind of those storms weren't as bad, but there's definitely some places where... Well, they were pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely some down corn. There's some hail damage. So we'll have to see how that... Overall, I think we're going to have a decent crop, average to above average, slightly above average, I would say. That's what I see on you guys. I mean, between I think the, the silage us, is going to be pretty good yeah. in general. It'll be I mean, early. It'll be early, but in the fields were somewhat even all year. Think not, of that with the everyone, but a lot of fields were even. Think of that flying the drone this year of how you know it was really even, and then we got spots that got that 10, 12 inches in ten days, and it sort of some of that went backwards, but it's still not drown outs nope. like we had in eighteen and nineteen. So that I mean the the zero number, the goose egg hanging on a couple acres out of a out of a eighty acre field will not be out there. So I mean that's going to help. Like on, especially on corn silage, help your average a lot. The, the corn was four feet tall before we started getting the rain like that, which you don't realize. How, I mean, that really think, helps. Think about your clay fields every year, Todd, that you walk, yeah. and it's like ten foot tall, and then you get to that ditch, and it's legitimately zero. Like it's brown dirt because the plants have have died. That isn't there this year. Right. They're not. Now they're still six foot tall. Short, they're four, yeah. like you said. But I think that's like. I know we'll get into the wheat, but I think a lot of these crops are going to be better because we don't have those zeros this year. 50 is a lot better than zero when you're doing an average. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if I'll take 50 bushel corn over zero any day of the week. Um, Let's be real about our goal, too, sometimes. Like like you say, it seems like we've jumped from, like, 200 to 300 bushel, like, like that, you know, as being our goal. And maybe sometimes we just... Do truly got to hit farm averages, you know, in two twenty five, two fifty, or something like that. I mean, yeah, just a three hundred bushel farm average is really hard. That's just not, yeah, it's just not realistic for Wisconsin in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay certain farmers, but you know, and what you're doing, if you're hitting that great, but let's also look at profitability right. and where we're at, and especially this year, profitability. I mean, you had. Early, if you prepaid all your end and maybe had extra end prepaid in December when we were talking back about low inputs, and that's the end you applied two weeks ago, Y drop, yeah, versus 
paying in season, it was just way different doing the economics on it. So yeah, your margins got a lot, a lot shorter if you waited. But, to pay. Yeah, a lot thinner toward the end here. Yeah. So yeah, even as I know we try to talk in bushels when the when the end of the season rolls around, but keep thinking back to like Max said, we're about to where we can't make a lot of decisions anymore, and so all our money is spent on that crap. Figure that out. Okay, this is what I spent. This is what I made. Which this year, you know, crop prices look very good. Heck, you might, you know, you might have your most profitable year in a long time, and and that's a bigger deal than getting that last right. twenty bushel, which, getting three hundred bushel, right, and losing five dollars an acre, I, right, to go trying to buy all of it. But you so, can go to the coffee shop and say you can't. Right. I got three hundred bushel, guys. So, so what else do we need for three hundred bushel corn? What do you? That's the that's the answer I'm looking for here, Todd. I think this year, honestly, it's going to come down to nitrogen management and when and time because. We've gotten 12 inches of rain in 10 days, but they came early June most of the time or, you know, times that might screw up, you know, right after planting. And we went, look at our, our nitrate tests that showed we had a, a really good mineralization year yep. ahead of all that rain. Way early. Well, everything seems earlier to show early. Yes. Yeah. So just having that left in your pocket to maybe why drop, you know, 60 units later, I think it's going to help a lot of corn this year, but also, like I just said, that was very expensive nitrogen if you didn't have it prepaid. So, you know, at the end of the year, people are going to look at certain stuff. I think nitrogen management and just having some, say, ESN down early to get you to last through. But whatever you did to sort of manage nitrogen all the way through and make sure that crop was getting it, I think will help a lot. What I When I got this question this week, what I tried to say was, you know, you, we got all the ingredients for the cake. Now we just need Mother Nature to bake it out for us. Because there's a lot yes. of Mother Nature now that we need to cooperate this week. Not great cooperation, right? <laughs> and we have, we still we still need a lot more. So I think overall we did pretty well this year on a lot of things. So high yield is – the potential can be there, I think. But I you, you're asking a lot out of Mother Nature now. So Yeah. You gotta, just got to temper your expectations. Yeah. I know when we were, we're putting corn in the ground in April, we're like, that's 300 bushel guaranteed. <laughs> Gotta be. And it's, it's like, well, I don't know about that. So, uh, soybeans. Are you moving soybeans here? Um, I saw a lot of uneven emergence and uh, uh, some population issues with soybeans. Um, seemed like a, a tough year for soybean germination and emergence. Um, not a great start, but, you know, soybeans can recover better than corn can on a low population. Um, I felt weed control on beans was actually better this year than it's been in the last couple years, mostly because it was so dry. The water hemp wasn't germinating, which was nice. So if we had delayed applications, it was okay because all we were getting was grass. Uh, yes and no, because we had canopies that didn't close for a long yeah. time either. So your your residual ran out, and depending on what your program was, yeah, you had that more opportunity for later weeds to come in. I just driving the countryside. I feel like I see less. There, there's some crazy water hemp fields out there, but I agree with Max yeah, 100 percent that yeah. that in the battle of water hemp, this this year is going to go down. We'll see. You know, a lot can come through yet, but that's a lot of such late stuff that you can't control. But in this year of the war against water hemp, we won this battle. I feel like versus the past three years where it was going backwards, backwards, backwards. I just I feel like we've we've like Max said, I know so like Amro, Wisconsin. Just the worst water hemp problems ever, you know, as as they have it and in general you drive around Amro, it's like it wasn't that bad in general guys controlled it. So 
I, I think it's more of actually farmers though taking it serious and doing extra things this year, doing pre's that I know some of those growers in that area didn't before, doing, you know, enlist beans, um, having that, having dicamba beans, having some of these other technologies has helped us. More than Roundup and Dual twice. Right, right. I would say the growers who have it and have always had it and have always had it bad, some of those guys still have it. The guys who still are not taking it seriously. Um, but otherwise, I feel like most of the guys have worked at it. I think we had pretty good. Where some years we can work at it as hard as we want, and it doesn't matter. It just doesn't yeah. seem to make yeah. a difference. Last yeah. year, I, I cut a couple of growers, and we worked hard. I mean, the best programs we could come up with, and it didn't matter. It just kept coming. So I feel really good about that. Um, you said no drown outs in the corn, but we definitely did have drown outs in the beans. Yes. Um, and it was late, too. It was after that dry period. Right. All of a sudden, we got a lot of rain and things kind of turned back. I mean, and beans even really went back. I th- beans didn't I th- look that great to begin with. No. We had that heat that helped yep. the corn, but seemed to kind of stall the out the beans. The beans didn't do much in right. June. They just kind of... And then yeah. we talked about in the past of nodulation. Right. Poor nodulation, a lot of real late diseases coming in the beans there too on early june rains when we're used to that those diseases hurt the beans but it's got time to recover after it just doesn't seem like these beans are really recovering all that well yeah all sorts all sorts of those uh water waterlogged diseases as yeah. i was explaining yeah. it to growers They're like well what is what is that can you walk out there and tell me i was like i absolutely can but i don't even need to walk out like i can tell you now before i even go out there it's just too wet. It's a it's a it's it's a waterlogged disease. I mean, it's and look at tile lines showing up, and it's yeah. not, you know, it's not a fifteen foot wide tile line. It's three foot over the tile line. Well, it's 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 the oxygen in the, that part yep. of that soil. It can drain wider than that, but it can't get oxygen that the, far. The other problem I had on a couple in a couple places was the water got so high, the beans were completely underwater. Um, the water went away, so that was good, except for there was so much mud on the leaves I, oh, wow. that they couldn't even take sure. in sunlight, so they died too. You needed to spray off your... So even where... <laughs> so yeah, go so wash them. We should have done you a sprayer pass, just 20 gallons of water all the way just across. Just wash, clean them off. So like even, a power washer. even though the water went away and they would have survived through that, there, w- there was so much mud on the leaves that you they couldn't take in sunlight. I think, dead, Max, so. that's part of like tissue sampling beans, part of like some of the weird numbers you could have gotten too is any soil on that leaf is going to throw that number tremendously. So, and it's hard to clean out, you know, it's, there's hair on that leaf. There's all that stuff that it just doesn't really wash yeah. off well or clean off well. And, so, and you need a really hard rain to get that stuff off. Well, if you get a really hard rain, you know what you get? <laughs> more mud. <laughs> <on it. laughs> Splashes so, more up. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was tough. Um, even on some of the the, the better drained soils, you still kind of lost there. Um, I think I think we're gonna have low average to low yields on beans this year. Probably more on the low side than normal. I think I think some of the beans look really nice. There is places where beans look really nice. There's a lot of zeros, and I'm watching pod fill, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of four bean pods. It's a lot of twos and threes, um, and we need a lot of water yet to go. Well, and I've got a couple of nice, really nice looking bean fields, but I just found water, or, uh, white mold this week. So it's like, oh, yep. Yeah. The, yeah. the double-edged sword. Yeah, you got nice beans, but no. no you get so your crappy beans, they don't have white mold. Right. You're good there, but, but the really good beans, you, you just started, give it an, <laughs> another month. You, you started with 80, and you're down to 40 because of white mold. We started with 50, and we're going to go down to 40 because of white mold. So either way, we're at 40. 40. So, I mean, whatever. Um, 
Yeah. So I think I think average to below average on bean yields this year. Um, they like I said, some places do they do look really nice, but they're just not. I I just don't see them performing the way we want them to. So what is interesting with the beans this year is you can see it from the road. Yeah. Right. There's sometimes yeah. where what you see from the road versus in the crop is way different and. Man, from the beans, what you see from the road is pretty much what you get. I, so I think that'll help guys just get your goal in line of like, man, these these do look a little rough. The one thing I would say is some of these are, are the inner node lengths are extremely odd this year. So the nodes are where it sets the pods, and then your inner nodes kind of bet- the length between that. And I've just had some really tall beans, you know, and the, and the amount of nodes, I guess, can be very, very variable. So I've had beans up to my thigh that are just packed, you know, with nodes that actually should yield well and, you know, beans that are up to your waist with the same amount of nodes. So, and this is normal in other years too, is that height doesn't matter, but I definitely think height doesn't matter. I mean, if you got a good tall looking bean, it it still may not have enough, you know, nodes there to put on pods. Uh, Into alfalfa, I, tonnage has actually held pretty well through the dry period. Yeah. Um, uh, surprisingly yeah. well, I it think. Had. Some of that regrowth blew me away in that early June. We, like, yeah, we didn't you know, have like period, very yeah. little rain on second cut, and it was we didn't have huge. rain for forty five days, and it was the same as if we had perfect rain. Right, so that was good. Um, really good. Uh, I am seeing some really fast maturing hay now. Um, like we were at, uh, we were seeing uh, flowers at nineteen days from cutting. That's fast. Yeah. That's flying. Yeah. So um, that was a little, mm, didn't love that because as soon as purple starts yeah. showing up, everybody gets excited and yeah. the, the hay was 14 inches tall, you know, it was, so that was a little exciting there on this. No, that was fourth crop now for these, these guys. So um, I don't know where you guys at on cropping, but. Isn't yeah, that I, unreal where we, I don't think, I mean, we've had spread out seasons, but I've got a farm just took second cut and there's farms taking, like, it's just. It's all over the board and how guys want to be. It, it's somewhat nutritionally related, what they want for quality, what they want for tonnage, and how patient they want to be without, you know, when we did get all that rain, are you know, are they a little bit more patient around the rain or are they just like, nope, cut it, we're not going to watch the forecast. I had, I had a farm that was ready to cut new seedings. Like they were ready to go just after second crop. And they, with the rain and everything else, they didn't get it off till basically right before third crop was ready to start. So they were three weeks behind. On right. New seedings were seeding. tough this year because, yeah. and they weren't firm at all. You know, it was just no, sloppy wet. tracks. Yeah, even I couldn't believe new seedings where they cut them, and it obviously was wet when they cut. But then that windrow, I went and like pulled underneath, and I I walked in the windrow, and you, I sank to my ankles. It was just mm, so it was like way they, to go, you'd, Todd. You'd like you'd push it across, you know. You it it just needed that sun to dry it out. Yeah. And once it had that, it was good. So then they kind of raked or merged it just to move that around so you could get sun down there. Well, and think about it. normally we're cutting new seedings around the Fourth of July, right? Somewhere in there, and yep. we started getting rain like the twenty fourth of June, and for three weeks it really didn't stop raining so it's rained every week yeah just enough to keep it wet enough where you weren't going to go in those fields you're going to let them suffer because you weren't going to track them up as todd is with his foot tracking them up with a equipment and even that too like oh i'll take dumb carts or something like that it it didn't matter matter. so you're going to let it go till you know here we're sitting july 30th and you're right i one of my guys had t- taken off on Monday, you know, so we're five days ago. 
we're three weeks past probably normally what we want to do, but they're patient probably because their second and third crops were so good. They didn't really need, I've had that comment a lot. I don't have any room in my feed pile. <laughs> right. Yeah. The other thing I noticed this week is, uh, I, we were talking about cutting hay and I was thinking about it, but I wasn't going to, I didn't want to be the one to say it. And the farm said to me, we better start thinking about when we're going to take corn silage. I went, oh, here we go. This because this always gets this always gets sticky. I feel like yeah. the whole like okay, we're going to go twenty eight days from today, and when's corn silage going to yeah. be, and all that stuff. And then talking to a custom guy, right? Ooh, that was really that conversation went really poorly for me <laughs> um, about when we're going to take some stuff. So I guess we're getting into that that area where we got to start. Really, it's going to be a tricky fourth cut and a fifth cut depending where a farm's at versus corn silage. Because early corn silage, those are competing hard. Yeah. And it just seems like you never quite have enough time to get done with that last cutting of hay and get into corn when you when you want to or should, you know, should. And like Max said, that's decisions you're making now on getting that got, timing to settle out. I got a really good day. Uh, we took fourth cutting Monday and Tuesday this week. We have sorghum sedan grass that's going to come down like now. And we're going to try and cut it again on September 15th. And we got to take a hay crop and do the corn silage before that. So it's going to get <laughs> it's going to get tight here real quick. That chopper will not sit, will it? No. And the, they they also this is also a, a grower that does custom work, so they got to chop everybody else's corn too. So we're gonna, this is going to be interesting. It's yeah. going to get tight here. It's not going to be a lot of sleep around there. So, but yeah, that was that was interesting to start having to think about that. And we're not. I mean, we'll do the GDU update here in a minute. We're not far away i mean it's it's coming quick no for those custom harvester guys like they're they're everybody planted around the same time this year all the corn's going to be ready at like the exact same time our maturity groups really worked out right like you know sometimes we do the okay we plant 105 day then the then we plant 100 day (laughs) and it doesn't matter they end up four weeks apart anyway no they seem if you planted 100 day and then you waited and planted 97 day, and then waited and planned 95 day. They are like, to me anyway. What I see, they lined up almost perfect. Yeah, all the way through I would because agree. we had good, we had good planting conditions. We were able to do it exactly when we should. Yep. So yeah, that was and the GDUs were maxing out early. That also helps. Um, but yeah, that was. So it's gonna be, we're gonna get a little, we're gonna get a little tight here, but that's all right. And then uh, wheat. Um, overall grain, I thought what I heard and talking to some other guys, I felt like grain was average to slightly below, um, got really dry in June and that kind of hurt us. Um, straw yield has been awesome. Everybody I talked to really good straw. Like we have too much straw. We don't Mm -hmm. know what to do with it. I've been hearing a couple of the big straw buyers around here. They combined a fourth of their normal acres and then told, we're telling everybody, all right, we're good. Like start cutting your wheat high. We don't need it. So, um, Straw yields have been pretty phenomenal. Yeah, straw straw yields have been awesome. Actually, I mean, I don't, I don't remember seeing that big of windrows for straw and that many. You know, guys would take and you know what would usually take to fill, say, a chopper box just for you know would take say the outline, you know, outside headlands a little bit. Guys were filling stuff, you know, within the headlands. I had some guys that were just basically like, "Oh yeah, we're good. Like we've got." It just was unbelievable how much it was stacked off. I was talking. So, to- talking to somebody they did a thousand bales in the headlands yeah and i went you did what (laughs) yeah come again and so that was pretty that's pretty impressive i like that so 
Are these big squares or little squares? It's going to be little yeah, squares. Little squares. That's <laughs> no, I was but trying was, to do the math of a field size for big squares. It, it was Six like, bales to the acre. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand bales. It was like 1,400 bales, though, in the two right. headland passes. That's a lot of unloading. To that do. was a Max, lot. Max, your young days in freedom, did you ever, like... Yeah, we used to... Because it's so hot this time of year, too, and you're, you know, little square in straw. At least straw bales are light. There used to be but, a there used to be a um, landscaping company that would hire us. And they had a deal worked out with the farm that they would alternate crops and wagons. So, like, they would get the crew to, to stack at the farm, but then the, every, like, third wagon the landscaping company got for their stuff. Sure. And then the what I always hated was when straw and, like, third crop would be at the same time because you'd be doing freaking 110-pound hay bales <laughs> yeah. that were too wet. And, and then you 40 pounds. And then you'd get a 40-pound straw bale. Or, like, you know, you do a whole wagon each. And you'd be like Boston Hump, and then it would get real easy, and you're like, oh, we're getting there. And then you'd look out, and you'd realize there's still there's another hay wagon coming. Like, oh god, we're gonna do hay again, son of a gun. Bring back more straw. Yeah, but yeah, we we did a, we did quite a bit. The little square straw bales this year had to be because how slow to pick up that windrow. They had to be going so slow, yeah, right? Almost had to, to just yeah, tend outward, you know? Sure, like, right, maybe, split it yeah, into maybe two. They I don't know, no, but, they were. They were. I was watching a guy with a narrow front John Deere pulling an old kick baler, and he was crawling. Yeah, crawling like, like putting it in neutral at times, maybe yeah. even to just oh, catch yeah. it. Yeah, just let like, it. Yeah, cycle through. Wow. Yeah, and I was watching that baler was just. It was. It was an old baler. That thing was just working its tail off. But you know, I know I've heard some guys and nobody around this area, but I've had a couple guys interested in. They make those balers now where it just like blocks them all up. Into yep. a like a module that you pick like up, not an accumulator, but or a bale accumulator, or this like it bales them and just drops them as like a block that you. Sell. So oh, like it, it holds, it'll, yeah, okay. it'll hold like ten or twelve. I think you're twelve. Right? I think it's like twelve. Yeah, yeah, they hold like twelve straw barrels on the baler, and then when it oh, hits capacity, but these are little it, squares. Okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those drops, are awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's for like horse hay or straw. Sure. Yeah. And then you just go pick up pick that up whole that. block. I was making like a big square bale out of little bunch of little, little square bales. Yeah, kind of. Did, yep. did you ever see the things they use in like Europe? Oh, like it's, it's unreal. Yeah, it's like a big like it comes out the back of the baler and then it goes on a track. Like and they yeah, those are insane. We need those. Yeah, but yeah, overall I think uh, I think a lot. Of, I'm kind of surprised with how dry like the Dakotas and Western Canada is and how much they struggled. That we haven't seen a better jump in straw price, but we've had so much around here that yeah, there were some really big wheat fields this year. And local straw is not a problem. You know, we right. got we had such a nice fall last year that we got so many acres in around yeah, here. Yeah, wheat got planted. I just felt like at some point you would see because there's a lot of guys around here that are buying straw out of Western Canada and the Dakotas. I thought you know maybe we'd see a little uptick here in local price because they would just say, hey, we you know we yep. can't get it shipped in. We're going to buy some local straw, but it doesn't seem to be the case, which is a good thing. And well, if you're selling straw, I guess it's not a great thing. But if you're buying it, I guess it's all right that you can get all your stuff for the normal price. That's a that's a that's a positive. It'd be the only only thing you buy this year that probably yeah. won't go so, what, sky high. What was your highest wheat yield this year, guys? What was your highest like field average? You got to be a field average. One hundred one. I did really short wheat. It was kind of a goofier field. It was one fifteen. So that, but then we took hit on straw yield. So. Um, but a lot of eighties and nineties, like you said, very, very, you know, eighty to a hundred. I had a one fifteen average on a hundred acre field. Yeah, that's that good. Was, that's that's nice. that, yeah. that felt, and that got that got half rate nitrogen. So that was a pretty good. 
That worked out pretty I, well. I actually think nitrogen that, you know, earlier with the corn, we talked about nitrogen. And yeah. with wheat, if you pushed it too hard, it it lodged yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's so a lot of So there was that year. line of, like, too, you know, I even had a wheat field where the co-op, it didn't, the spread pattern was wrong. So it it spread, below, you know, right out the, it wasn't, they weren't spinning it wide enough. So it got, like, you know, more in half, it got... Too much in the middle and half so right outside. Strips. And so it was lodge strips, yeah. And it was unreal how good the wheat did, you know, where it didn't get quite as much ends. So. Sure. Yeah, I've still got wheat coming off this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's the crazy Yeah, part Max, of- remember too, like what you said, like how early we were thinking. And we were early-ish, but it was, it, it was... Well, it's not that it wasn't ready. It was just the rain aspect. True, you know, true. Guys were it waiting was, for... It was dry while we were trying to pollinate and fill kernels. And then when we were trying to raid a combine, then it got wet. It was kind of... Yeah. Did you guys... So I had a farm get, actually like tell me they were happy they had four-wheel drive in their combine because they yeah. almost got stuck. Yeah, sure. Trying to take yeah. a wheat field off. Do so. you guys have any um, uh, fungicide? You know, we do the flag leaf fungicide. Any guys that didn't do that versus did? I had the county extension agent talk to me the other day, and he said he was talking to a custom harvester, and they were seeing 30 bushels. I think he said 30. 30 bushel more if you did the flag leaf um, fungicide. fungicide at Anthesis here versus if you didn't. And oh. it wasn't so much that it was head scab. It was just I, a yield increase. That seems quite high versus what I saw right. where I didn't have guys use it. But I could see it being plausible. And, like, r- rarely did I get anybody docked for head scab. You know, like, nobody got docked that I know of. And I had some guys we didn't we didn't apply fungicide for head scab and... So this is one of the year, years too, where that you know usually if you're getting bushel increase plus dockage, right. you're you know no dockage. That's huge. But this year it's just going to be off of bushels. My wheat management from guys who put on fungicide to not is so different that I can't say everything it's else f- is different. Yeah, it's completely like even around here. Um, you know we're Seymour Freedom. The way we grow wheat here versus the way they grow it down by Watertown and stuff, it is not even. You're not even in the same world. Like. They care about wheat down there. It's cr- <laughs> like wheat's like it's a different it's a different mentality the way they grow it down there. So um, you're right, Max. Though is probably the which I don't know if this was a side by side bill or not. It wasn't. It was just because that custom harvester harvested you know five six whatever thousand acres yeah. of wheat, and they just noted that. I, I think Max is a hundred percent right. Is I see the guys that put the best management into wheat did the yeah. hundred did the better, did a yeah. hundred. Plus, yep, and it, it had nothing to do with we, just fungicide. It was the whole gamut of what I mean, they we do. We had some plant stress, so that anything you can do to help the plant be as efficient as possible under stress is obviously going to yield better, right? So when it didn't rain for forty five days and we were trying to pollinate, well, if you're trying to fight off disease too, you're going to be in trouble. Well, so. and it, the good wheat fields too. Think about we just got done talking about in corn how well the soil mineralized nitrogen. In June, because of how warm it was, well, that's the perfect time the wheat wheat. needs it is in June. And we're mineralizing all that free nitrogen that we normally don't Don't, till July, and it's too late. Look at, I still think it's planting date, too. Like, for wheat, like, it's... And that can't even be a debate anymore. uh, Right. Correct. It's it's getting it in, you know, July. September 15th. Yes. We had that perfect fall last year. Yes. Really get all that in and And, timely. And guys wait until October 1st. It's way different. Wait. Yeah. So just following following beans instead of corn silage. Like that's right. I right. If you have 
corn silage in your rotation and wheat in your rotation, there is no reason you should be waiting for beans. You got if you really want to get wheat, it's you gotta plant in it. Yeah, get it in early. Yep. Because it's it's not even in the same world. I was surprised how good test weight actually held. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was dry. Well, especially some kernels looked really small, and you went, "Oh man, yep. we're gonna get." And I I had a few lower than you know we'd like, but it, like you said, Max, it wasn't. It, it was really it was somewhat varietal. It was other things, just maybe what you know, planting date on that, especially as well. So, all right, there you go. There's your crop update on corn, soybeans, alfalfa, and wheat. Hopefully, harvest goes well once we get to corn silage. I know we. What are you guys pegging for a date on that? For it's kind of all over the board. Some guys were tasseling later than than I thought too. I know I've got some that's not even fully tasseled yet. That'll probably be mid-September, but a lot of it's probably going to be around September 1st. So, I was informed by a custom harvester this week it will be August 21st. August 21st? Oh, I was right. informed that it will be. It will be. It just is. Whether it's ready or not. Here, it will be. Here we go. August 21st. No, <laughs> he, he, he told me. He's like, we will be chopping in August. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's September 1st. Nope. We will be starting in August. So... There's that's where we're at. All right. So now we'll do a quick GDU update to see where we're at. So here in Seymour, the world headquarters of Tilth Agronomy, we are at fifteen twenty three. So for GDUs, our normal is fourteen twenty nine. So we are plus one ninety or plus ninety four, not one ninety four. So we're almost 100 GDUs ahead of normal. Our 14-day is looking to be 1819. So just under 2,000 GDUs for the year. And we we picked up from last week. I mean, we were not quite... I'm trying to think. Remember, anybody remember what it was last week? Was it half that? It was like in the 40s, I thought, or 50s. Oh, how much how much ahead, ahead we were. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. We were not very far ahead. So we picked up quite 46. a bit. 46. Yeah, so 46. we picked up almost double. Crivets, they're at 1487. Normal is 1265, so they are still rocking it at 222 GDUs ahead of normal. Their 14-day outlook is 1762, and they've been consistently above 200. Yeah, they were like 204 above yeah. last year. So they're... Holding strong and last week, sorry. Sun Prairie to date is at sixteen eighty two. Their normal is fourteen thirty three and they too have been pretty consistent above two hundred. They're at two forty nine above normal. With a fourteen day outlook of nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four is a really high number right now. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean it's fourteen days out, but I mean think of like that's think of just Know your GDUs because even like Seymour here, we're a one, we're 94 above. Like to be 249 above in some prairie, that's insane. That's like way high in normal. I mean, a, a good day, you're getting 30 GDUs, you know, that's like, that's like, so straight, that's like max out days every day since right, May 1st. Yep. And I work so, closer to Sun Prairie than you guys. Yeah. It's been pretty close to max out every day. It's warm down there. It's yeah. It's noticeably warmer there. So I mean that that's ten days yeah. ahead of normal. So I mean even realistically, depending, and that's using sort of these maxed out days. So somewhere in that ten to two weeks ahead of normal. 
Yeah. Which is why you're telling us you're going to be chopping in August because right. I'm saying September sense. September 5th. And if we actually chopped in August last year. So if you go 10 to 14 days ahead of last year, it was like August 30th. I mean, it was the sure. last day in August, but we chopped in August. We could say we did. If you go 10 to ten to two weeks, right there, That's August 20th. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it's one of those years where it just feels hot all the time. But that knowing that number for your farm might be a big deal this year to really help dial stuff in. I don't know. It's coming quick. I can, I so, can tell you so that. So, Max, you're saying we better get the uh, the, the wood chipper and yeah. the uh, dehydrators out ready to go for you by the 10th, they, 15th of August. They were shining it up at the shop uh, last week when I was at the farm. They were getting her out, yeah. getting her ready to roll. So they said <laughs> they were getting her ready, and they said, we'll either have storms this week and we can use it. <sighs> Otherwise, corn oh, silage isn't that far away. And I yeah. said, there you you're, go. you're not wrong. Dual purpose. All right, our GDU update. <laughs> Get into our spotlight now. Thank you, producer boy. Run a little, little behind there. Got to switch apps. Ah, it's thanks. not. Got to think of that in pre-production. Of, <laughs> okay, if I got to go from my blow air horn, regular air horn, to the uh, to music, music, the other music, it's, it's not going right. to work. All right, Enco and Bear collaborating on new chemistries. So Enco is a crop health company. They've announced details on a partnership with Bayer to develop diverse chemistries for crop protection. Applying drug discovery approaches from pharma to crop protection will allow companies to identify unexpected product candidates that will safely target pests in new ways, says the Enco officials. So weed resistance is a problem, and they're looking to help solve that. More than 250 weed species have developed resistance to herbicide that are designed to control them, and a strict regulatory environment sets a high bar for new products. So, so they're using Bayer's drug discovery approaches because Bayer's a drug company with Enco and a chemical company. So, yeah, it didn't specify which. Seems very vague. What the heck yeah. they're really doing? Well, I was like, just what are they doing? From pharma to crop protection. Which, I mean, it's fine to team up, but yeah, I just didn't quite. Yeah, I don't know if Enco is in that space too. I mean, bears in both spaces, but Bayer is everywhere. They're always watching. Do we have to like crush up aspirin and spread it over yeah. the fields to prevent Listen. corn from having heart attacks? There is enough water hemp in this world that keeps me up at night that I'll try anything. <laughs> Just imagine it there all the time or what? Huh? You're not having the nightmares where there's water hemp growing out of okay. your chest, are you? Do you like, want to know a real? Do you want to know what, tr- what truly happens sometimes? <laughs> I will wake up from a dr- from sleeping and have a dream that I forgot a field all summer. And it's <laughs> yeah. like August, and I haven't looked. Like, hey, now you know you're a real agronomist, yes. Max. You've, yeah. you've entered the realm of. Oh. You know, as a kid, it's the missing the bus, or you show up to a test and you haven't studied. Now you get in a professional life, and you and you know it's what? this: you wake up in a cold sweat that you missed the field all summer long. And you know what? I always go and check that field. That <laughs> yeah. like, I do. I'm like, I know I <laughs> looked at it all summer, field. but I'm going to go look at it, man. So did they're re- always you, still there. So did I really? Did I miss that? You really question, right? You, yeah, I I wake up in a panic. Because I'm like, oh man, what if that's it's and it's never a it's never like a five acre field in the back in the woods that nobody would notice. It's always like a, a hundred acres and like if that's screwed up, like you know that's gonna be a big deal. So yeah, there you go. 
All right, now we'll move into the Egg History Minute. So today's Egg History Minute, we're going to talk about the Federal Agriculture Improvement and Reform Act of 1996. Known informally as the Freedom to Farm Act, the FAIR Act, or the 1996 U.S. Farm Bill, was the omnibus 1996 farm bill that, among other provisions, revised and simplified direct payment programs for crops and eliminates milk price supports through direct government purchases. The law removed the link between income support payments and farm prices, authorized seven-year production flexibility contract payments that provided participating producers with fixed government payments independent of current farm prices and production. Law specified the total amount of money to be made available through contract payments under production flexibility contracts for each fiscal year from 96 through 2002, and payment levels were allocated among contract commodities according to specified percentages generally derived from each commodity's share of projected deficiency payments for 1996 through 2002. This bill's as old as you, Max. It, it is, is as old as me. Is that why you picked it? It's its no, birthday I didn't even too. That one. Yeah, ninety-six, <laughs> man. Do we gotta have like a happy birthday song happy for the birthday, federal fair fair act bill? <laughs> U.S. Farm Bill. <laughs> well, great. Thanks for all the listeners out there. We we appreciate you. We love you listening. Please tell a farmer friend to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, tell them how to download it. And there you can search Tilth Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts. Or on Android, there's a bunch of apps you can try. Uh, We like Podcast Addict, but there's also Podbean, Player FM, and CastBox. And just download one of those on your phone and and download our podcasts and others. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. You go to tilthegg.com slash podcast. And to follow us, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Now we'll get into our cool beans. That's corny for this week. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans this week was despite strong storms in southern Wisconsin, we did not meet the definition of a Duraco. So yay, your damaged corn wasn't caused by a Duraco. I don't know how cool these beans are, but like I was still like, all right, no Duraco, I'll take it. Yep. Yeah, no, no, Dorico is like, sorry to anybody that had damage, it sucks, but at least it wasn't so widespread. I mean, there's certain areas that got hammered. Right, didn't get the whole state. But it wasn't, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's got to occur over a path of 250 miles or more. They've got a map here of showing how often certain areas get Dorico's. And we're in an area that says one Dorico every two years, which yeah. I don't, no. like we just talked, we never even heard of this word. No. And then there's a spot, like, it says four Durecos every three years, like, down, like, if you look at Oklahoma, but opposite the panhandle. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's the bottom of Missouri, like, Oklahoma, and northern Arkansas. Yeah, so I don't, it's just a very interesting map of the, of when we get Durecos that is a thing we just never heard of, and also now are... It's I'm, saying we've get we get one every two years. I'm well, twenty five and I've in never that seen entire one. area. I think is what they're saying. So not not that Wisconsin. Will Co- sure, it, okay, I guess that's a big. Sure. It, that's it's a, covered, maybe you look yeah. at the area. Yeah, this is all the way down it's through the Texas. Oh, right. Right. Good point, Matt. Yeah, so it's somewhere in that area, 
every two years there will be a Draco. And I'm guessing most of them happen in the south. That's why we don't hear about them up here. Yeah, we had one last year in Iowa. But look at that little area. Then it says four Dracos every three years. So that little area basically gets 1.3 Dracos One year, a year they get screwed. <laughs> yeah, they get they two, get Dracos. two Dracos. But is that like Tornado Alley, though? Like, But it's yes. like I mean, odd, It is right? very close to, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was odd that, to me, Tornado Alley is like, the panhandle or not? Am I am I a little bit Oklahoma, off? Oklahoma, well, Oklahoma, much. In general, just Oklahoma, the general. Yeah. just the entire state. Just but you're right, Bill. Then it's it's tornado alley. Yeah. Well, my wife's got relatives that live in Oklahoma, and they talk about like tornadoes, like we talk about thunderstorms. Like, oh, yep, it's over there. We're good. We can see it. What well, what happens if you get two derecos in a year in the same spot? Hopefully it comes from the other direction. If it comes from the same direction, you don't. It's not like you knock any more corn over. I mean, it's already flat, so you keep it knocked over. Yeah, all right. That's when the old guys just sit on their porch as everything's blowing around and like flip off the storm. Like, ha! Can't screw us again, Draco. <laughs> you got us once, but you can't do it again. <laughs> you lose. Screw me once, shame on you. Screw me twice, can't do it, Draco. I thought right. the saying was "screw me twice." This is farming. I thought for <laughs> sure that's what the saying was. It's very possible. All right. Here Speaking of getting screwed, that's corny. Oh, the wind blows. We got a Draco song. Some fuck Owens. All right, our that's corny this week. Bear is going to. We just talked about bear. Discontinue lawn and garden market glyphosate-based products starting in 2023. So farmers will still be able to use Roundup containing glyphosate, but the average consumer will no longer have access. So I don't like this. It's the start of a... That's exactly why uh, it's uh, that's just, corny. Uh, yeah. It's yep. a slippery slope from and here. A, and, I mean... You guys know your neighbors or see... I mean, a lot of homeowners use Roundup. Oh, yeah. A lot. A lot. So even for them, I mean, that's a tool taken away to just... And it, compared to what you could, you know, like whatever your other options, say in like a... Like preen that you put down in... Um, we should be spraying we, more crossbow instead. I, well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying is like some of these other choices, I think preen's tripelacore. Tri- tripelacore, I can't never say those chemical names. And... That one's worse than Roundup, you know, in a in a sort of problematic way. So I I just yeah, this sucks because I think we're gonna use more worse stuff than use than this being a good thing for homeowners as well. Maybe homeowners will have to learn how to understand dicamba drift. <laughs> well, and uh, this quote here pretty much describes it all. This is ex- exclusively geared at managing litigation risk, mm, yeah, not because of any safety concerns. Yep. So maybe if people who are undereducated on how to use chemical don't have as much access to it, that's right. the, that's what they're trying to get at. Yep, they're trying to keep it out of the hands of the people that will then turn around and, and sue them. I drank Roundup, but you didn't tell me I shouldn't, so I'm going to sue you now. Yeah. That's the other part I've also seen my neighbor spray Roundup in like flippy flappies and like nice. you know shorts and I mean I, and Matt, right, I'm not saying I do, but, I do that all the time. Yeah, but you're not going to go sue Bear but that, because yeah. you no, sprayed in your flippy floppies. Like, well, most of the time, I try and put on like clothes, shoes, and pants. Yeah. And At least put your work put clothes on, on, please. Yes. Yeah. Never apply glyphosate. He just started naked. that by saying most of the time I try to put on clothes. I, I wish we could say we know all, it's your our farmers. None of our farmers apply glyphosate naked, but I can't. But last that. last week, if you would have drove, driven down Eagle Street, I was out in a pair of shorts with no shoes and no shirt on, like spraying around the mailbox, like just. Meh. 
It's fair week. I gotta make my gotta make, help, it look make it things look good. Everybody's trying, driving by. I was trying to clean it up quick before. I really was trying to clean up quicker on the house before the fair. I mean, we had people coming for the fair, but well, yeah, I wanted to clean up quick before the fair. So it was like last week, Sunday, and yeah, I was out there, no shirt on, just chilling, chilling like a villain. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. This week we talked about a crop update, kind of where things are at as we move through the year. Gave our GDUs update as well. Spotlight, we looked at Enco and Bayer partnering to come up with new technologies, new chemistries for weed control. Ag History Minute, we talked about the Federal Agriculture Improvement and Reform Act of 1996. And our cool beans was, hey, we got damaged, but not a Draco. So, small victories. And that's corny was glyphosate will no longer be available to lawn and garden markets starting in 2023. So, thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming. Happy farming.